We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Our special guest today is Shane Portfolio. Shane is the Senior Vice President of Field Operations Engineering for Comcast Cable, leading the company's One Network, XOC, which is Excellence in Operations Center, Head End Operations, and Plant Maintenance Organizations. Shane is a service-oriented leader. He spent 14 years as a platoon sergeant and leadership instructor for the U.S. Army, 25 years at Comcast. He serves on boards and associations and so much more. What I appreciate most about you, Shane, is your unwavering commitment to the people that you care about. The group of talented and dynamic Black leaders at Comcast that you gather to hear voices, coach challenges, and encourage their unique value is incredible. Thank you for including me. So a big shout out to the members of our family who are listening, and welcome to ROG, Shane. Excellent. Thank you, Shannon. It's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate the invite. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. And it's going to be so much fun to explore this topic, which is near and dear to your heart, generosity at work. Let's start with a little bit of your background. Could you please share some of your story? (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So uh, as you mentioned, I've pretty abbreviated resume with only two companies, the U.S. Army and Comcast. Uh, One I spent 14 years, one I I spent, I'm in my 25th year. So uh, loyalty is pretty important to me. But my uh, upbringing was a bit of a mix between Colorado and Chicago. And I would spend my school year in Colorado, and then I would go to Chicago from May to September every summer to uh, spend my summers there. So um, a little bit of both, got to experience what the country was like, got to experience what the city was like. So um, grew up in an environment where I was able to immerse myself in um, just about every aspect of social economic environments and be around a diverse community uh, and just get to see um, the human spirit in so many different ways. And then 17 years old, I joined the military and uh, went to combat a couple of times and um, decided to get out of the military to focus on my civilian career and um, have been at Comcast for 25 years where I started as a call center representative answering phone calls at the front line before we had this really cool technology called high-speed internet. And they asked me to be one of the first people to help with this new amazing product that a lot of people now um, consider a higher priority in their home than running water. So I've got to see the entire evolution from the first market trial to now being the world's largest network. And I've been able to move into different roles throughout my career, moved my family five times across the country to different responsibilities, and most recently moved back into a headquarters role where I've been at headquarters now for a couple of years. And really helping the company transform as we uh, move to new and advanced technology platforms. We want to make sure that the people are brought along with it. And it's not just a technology transformation. It's a culture transformation, which makes us prioritize the people 
aspects of it as well. Thank you for that. And bringing the people along with it and focusing on the people is one of your strong suits in addition to your technical competence and your intelligence. So talk to me about why that is so important to you, like bringing the people along, making sure that it's a people-focused initiative anytime you engage in something. Yeah, I often say our network is our most valuable asset, but our people are our most important asset. And it's the two of them that when we work together in unison to care for our most valuable asset with our most important asset, we can do incredible game-changing things. And over the years have built the world's largest conversion network. And uh, a lot of the people behind that really were the engine as to how it came to life. Because you can look at technology and acquire it and you can buy it, you can plug it in, you can do all these different things. But without the people aspects of it, you won't be able to achieve the aspirational targets that we were able to achieve and be able to provide the reliability to our customers, to be able to provide the career path for our people, to be able to provide a culture in which people like to work. Um, A recent uh, analysis was done on organizations that are having a lot of attrition as we talk about this great resignation. And what the data suggests is that the single most important thing that is keeping some companies from having that significant level of attrition compared to those that are experiencing a lot of it is the culture. So if that is the number one priority in how we maintain talent and how we attract talent, then we need to make sure we prioritize it as the highest priority that we have. So for me, as much as the technology is exciting and really cool stuff is taking place, that's not coupled with making sure we have a culture in which people enjoy working in, um, we're going to find that that technology is not going to get us to where we need to be. But when we couple new technology with a culture that people really enjoy working in and are challenged and developed and supported, it's amazing what we're able to do. Is it challenged and supported and really acknowledged? Are those some of the attributes, Shane? Like, What are some of the ways that you have found matter most to people when we're talking about these kinds of cultures? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's taken a long time as uh, I learned um, my own development through kind of puts and takes. And I've learned more from my failures than any of my successes. But ultimately, people want to feel like their purpose is being served, right? So you're giving them something that they feel like they're contributing to the company that they're an accretive contribution to the overall mission, that they have a great degree of mission clarity so they know what their work is doing and how it is adding to the overall good of the organization, that they see an opportunity for their own development, advancement, and a career path so that they are at a organization because it's a career, not because it's a job. It's a very different mindset when you think that way. There's also a mindset difference between what I call a fixed mindset, which is this is the way it's happened for 10 years, and that's the only way we know how to do it, and a growth mindset that suggests, while that's good and it's done a really nice job getting us to where we are, what are things that we can do that are maybe a little different than what we've been doing that makes it even better, and providing a culture where that's not only encouraged but advocated for, and that you build a culture where you have a organization that's curious. So I think curiosity is really important to a culture too. And if you do not allow for people to feel like their voice can be heard or that they can ask questions or that they can be curious, they will find that their role is not providing the purpose that they're looking for 
and they'll look for something else. And so, again, this great resignation is what a lot of people call it. I call it kind of the great reset, which is where people are taking more introspective looks into themselves and saying, am I doing work that I enjoy doing? Am I contributing to something that serves my purpose? And if I'm not, I'm moving to doing something else that does. But if the answer is yes, then they're in the place that they want to be. And you see, you see a very low attrition rate as a result of that. And our responsibility as leaders is to assess our organization and make sure that that's in fact happening so our employees feel that way. There's so much of what you just said there around growth mindset and that choice that we can make and encourage environments that have more of a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset. And then you talked about curiosity being one of those key components to generous leadership and effective leadership and helping people recognize that they belong. And how are we investing in their career and in the well-being of the people around us, really staying curious about that. And then you talked about listening and the importance of listening and how we want to invest in people and understand more about how we can serve them and what would be beneficial to them. So all of that sounds like a, a, a big priority for you. What would you say to people who understand what you're saying intellectually? Like I get why people would want to work in organizations that have a culture like that but they don't perceive that they have time to do these things. Like they think all of the things that you've just talked about would be a big burden on time and they've got so many other priorities. How would you encourage someone who is perceiving that time is the barrier to doing the things that you're suggesting? It's a great question and one I'm asked quite often, um, even for my own organization. So I know I am at times guilty of being the person that's providing all this work to people and them feeling that way. So um, when that happens, first of all, I appreciate that I have a culture that people are transparent and confident enough to come and say, hey, dude, I think we're overwhelming the organization right now. And we have a honest conversation about it. But the reality is uh, what I've learned and I've learned the hard way is one of the most important things you can do as a leader is really be maniacally critical about your priorities and literally really sit down and be focused on here's the three things that we're going to be exceptional at. And quality needs to come over quantity. We absolutely have to be really disciplined about that. And I was guilty for many years of saying yes to everything and thinking that by saying yes to everything, that was how my organization and I would be successful because everyone was happy because I would say yes to everything. And what I ended up creating was an environment where people were burnt out. People didn't understand exactly what the priorities were. We were running into each other in the outfield, and we didn't have great clarity on what the priorities should be. So I learned over the years that if you prioritize three, no more really than five things, and you really orient your organization towards doing exceptional work at that, but then... What's almost even more important is once you have that alignment with your team, you have to provide air coverage for all the other people that are trying to come in and get time from the team. And you have to be the person that says, no, here are the three to five things that we're working on. Open to discussing that at some point, but we've got to get these done. And this is what our organization's focused on, especially at a quality level. You can get a lot of a lot of stuff done at a mediocre level, but that's not the organization that you want to be a part of. So. I've seen it actually um, benefit the organization, the culture, the people, the time, all of that, just by being really focused on priorities. 
when we come back, Shane will share feedback he received that changed his life and leadership. Hello, I'm Joe Panfield, President and CEO of the T. Howard Foundation. We fulfill our mission to increase diversity in the media industry by offering college students paid internships with major media companies. As a result of their internship experience, nearly 200 of our interns are hired every year in communications, marketing, and even on-air talent. For more information about our program, visit t-howard.org. And we're back with more from Shane Portfolio. Thank you for that encouragement, because I think a lot of us are challenged with saying yes to so many things. One, because we may want to be helpful, but two, because we find them interesting and we think, you know, why not? We can we can pull all of this off. But your encouragement is to say, take a step back, really think about the impact that you want to make come up with your priorities and then being maniacal about executing on them and block and tackling all of the other requests that come your way. And then you're saying that you can look back and see, wow, you know, I've really accomplished a lot. I'm not just tired. <laughs> I actually have evidence to, to show the impact that I've made over these past couple of months. That's really helpful. Do you have an example of something like that in your own career or generous feedback that you've offered to others? Yeah, so I had a learning moment, right? As I mentioned earlier, I was in the military. I was in a combat arms unit, all-male environment. And so I learned how to lead an all-male environment. And I got into Comcast and I got into leadership. And for the first time in my career, I had a female as a direct report. And I was giving my male uh, leaders harder work than I was giving her. And she, after one of the meetings we had, came to me and said, I see what you're doing. You're not giving me the hard work. You're giving it to my male colleagues, and I'm not okay with that. And I had to take a step back and recognize that she was absolutely correct, that I had my own unconscious bias that was that I was working through, and that I was doing exactly what she suggested by not giving her harder work. And so I um, owned the fact that that was an opportunity for my own development, and I started to be more um, even in my distribution of work both hard and easy, making sure there was greater parity. And then I started researching, do uh, females, do women need to, you know, do they want to be led differently? And there's some things, each personality is different, regardless of gender. You can't be the same with everyone. But I found out women want to be led just as much as men do. Women want to be developed as much as men do. Women want to be encouraged as much as men do. Women want to be given provided feedback when they need to improve on something as much as men do. And it just changed my life. And now it got to the point where I was so passionate about this that I'm in my Ph.D. dissertation. And it's about women and how we need to make sure there's greater representation of women in our leadership positions. Um, And so this lady who still happens to work at Comcast is somebody who I am to this day incredibly grateful for her being courageous enough to give me that feedback and uh, to help really be a catalyst to not just changing the way I lead, but to actually be something I'm incredibly passionate about now. And without her, that may not have, that may have never happened. So all of us, all of us can be developed. And, and I certainly am not exempt from that. Oh, what a great example, Shane. Thank you for sharing that. And I think there's a lot of things that we can pull from your example as best practice 
And it goes back to something you were saying earlier around being candid and respectful, timely, you know, offering the feedback soon after the thing happens, being specific. So this person wasn't saying, I think you're not fair. This person was saying, I think you're giving more difficult, more challenging assignments to my male colleagues. So she was specific with you. And perhaps it was about something that recently happened. What other best practices do you are, are that you are intentional about when you're offering feedback? Yeah. So first of all, um, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it's by design that we have two ears and one mouth. And I think listening with the intention of understanding and not with the intention of responding is something that you um, unfortunately don't see that often either. And so listening is really important. Putting your phone away, putting your laptop away, putting whatever distraction away and having a honest conversation, looking into the white of each other's eyes and knowing that you're, con- you're connected is really important and not happening as often as it should. An understanding of that. And then the other thing I, I do, and this is you know one of the things I'm responsible for, is really building a team. And when it comes to diversity, I don't just look at it through the lens of race or through the lens of gender. I look at it broader than that. And so what I typically do is I look at my organization and I see the skill sets that exist within the organization. And as a result, I see the skill sets that I might not have as strong of a skill set in or a particular gap that needs to be served. And so when an opportunity comes to add to my organization, I don't just add people who have the same experience in the background that I already have. I already have that. Why would I need more of that? Where I do really critical assessments of my organization and say, here's the gap that I really need to have filled. I need to find somebody that has those skill sets and bring him or her onto the team. And not only does that benefit the team because they're now bringing in unique perspective and a different background and different skill set. The skill set that exists on my team typically can help the person that's coming in in those areas that they already have that they the new people may not have. And everybody prospers as a result of that. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, so that whole listening, listening for what people are saying, what they're not saying, you know, what are some of the things that are troubling them? What are they excited about? All of those things that you're listening for. And then you're talking about the assessment of your team and looking at it through the lens of diversity and all kinds of diversity. But you know, Shane, when you bring in so many different kinds of people and backgrounds, there can be conflict unless it's understood that these are benefits. So how do you manage through that where people view their differences as a a problem versus a benefit? It's a great question. It happens a lot. If there's a mutual respect and they work together, then you're able to see how that evolves to into a norming type of situation and then ultimately performing, and then you're just reaching for the stars. And so while that's happening, as a leader, a, a reminder that I always tell myself and I encourage anyone else to keep in mind is a culture is defined by the worst behavior that you're willing to accept. So if there's behavior in those differences that are not acceptable, then you have to address it because your culture should not accept it. But if it's just normal coming together and having a little friction and I encourage that. Too often people don't do that and they end up not getting the the benefit of those diverse perspectives. But when you allow for some of that to happen, 
while you maintain a culture that doesn't accept certain things, it's really amazing what ends up happening and people really start to appreciate each other. And, and the differences actually become the reason why you're able to outperform other teams that don't have as many differences as the teams that do. Right. And I think that's consistent with what you were saying about feedback, because you set the cultural norm, you have the team agreements, you know what behavior is encouraged and discouraged, and then giving people feedback along the way related to performance um, and then you see the results at, at the end of all of that work, but knowing that it gets worse before it gets better and leaning into that and saying, you know, this is what's actually going to make us stronger. I love that. So in your opinion, what are some of the benefits of being a generous leader? Being a generous leader, typically you attract talent, you attract diverse talent, you attract uh people wanting to go the extra mile because they recognize that you're willing to go there with them. Uh, you know, you, you don't ask people to do something you're not willing to do yourself as part of being generous. And so you're able to show them by example, how you uh, intend to, um, you know, work every day. And what that does is it creates an echo or a shadow, so to speak, that casts this really con- attractive place to work. And you're able to bring talented people and start building a really strong team. And, uh, and really, as leaders, our primary responsibility, culture, obviously, but the way that you get to a culture is by the talent that you have in your organization. And by being a generous leader, what ends up happening, because it's not as common as it needs to be, is that people that are being led by generous leaders talk to their colleagues about being led by a generous leader or that they're in a culture that there's generous leadership. And the next thing you know, uh, you have a lot of people wanting to be a part of that. And then that becomes an example. And then you want to help others. You don't want to just be only your team. But then people start to ask you, you know, why is your team performing a little bit differently? How's that working? And then you're generous to other colleagues as well. And then they can start doing that. And then it becomes this cascading effect that has a larger um, organization impact than just the one that you're responsible for. And it's so uh, significant in terms of how that can shift the culture just by being generous. And that's what I think happens. Oh, I've seen it happen with your leadership. And I appreciate what you're saying about be the change model your team after this type of leadership, you know, show up and deliver in that way, and then be willing to share your best practices, your strategies with other people so that the whole organization can can be a reflection of that kind of generous leadership. So I know that you also believe in self-care, so being generous to yourself. What do you want to share with our listeners around the value and importance of self-care? Yeah, so self-care has been a journey for me. Right. So for the longest time, it wasn't a priority. Everyone else's priority was my priority. And what I found is that I was exhausted, that I was burnt out and I wasn't happy. And it took years of development, coaching, etc., to finally get it through my little thick skull up here that you're actually a better leader when you care for yourself first. And it's not selfish. It's actually selfless when you do that. And that was a real change for me because I always felt any time that I would prioritize myself was a selfish motive behind it. When in fact, as I've learned over the years, when I prioritize myself, 
and I care for myself through fitness. I care for myself through eating right. I care for myself through having enough time for reflection. I care for myself to make sure I invest in things that I know are better, that make me a better person. I then show up as a better leader. But in addition to that, I demonstrate that by spending time prioritizing myself, I'm encouraging others to do the same. Because this is not just me that challenged, that's challenged by this. A lot of other people are too. But when you're a leader and you demonstrate that you care for yourself in a, in a way that's genuine and sincere, and it gives a permission to others to do the same, and then you start seeing others doing it too, it's one of the most rewarding things I've had in a leadership experience is to see others start to invest in themselves and they show up as a better person and then show up as a better team. And then just this kind of amazing thing happens. But this is something that I know uh, I struggled with and still a work in progress. And I know a lot of people, a lot of people do. So uh, I just encourage it because it's, it's changed me in so many ways and, Uh, it's something I think people need to prioritize a lot more. Yes, and I think it helps us to understand what that means when we say bring your best self to work, bring your full self to work. You know, your best self is your healthy self, and your healthy self is only healthy if you have prioritized and invested in your own well-being. So that's on all of us, right? That's not anyone else's responsibility but our own. So all of our guests share a favorite mantra or a life quote. What's yours, Shane? People are going to forget what you did. People are going to forget what you said, but they're not going to forget how you made them feel. That one really resonates with me, and that's part of the culture. And it's weird how 15 years later, I'll run into an employee that was on my team that says, look, I don't even remember what we did, but I just remember wanting to be on your team and loved being a part of it. And it was because we invested in how they made them feel. And that just warms my heart. The other one is a Theodore Roosevelt quote about the man in the arena, right? Because I'm somebody who um, is going to appreciate and respect those who put a jersey on and get on the field. And even if you mess up, you throw you throw an interception, you fumble the ball, you're on the field. You're not playing Monday morning quarterback and criticizing from the sideline or in the stands. You're in there. You're getting dirty with the uh, people that are in the arena And I have a tremendous amount of respect for those who have the courage to do that. So those are the two that typically resonate the most with me. Yes. And, you know, what I think is in common with those two things is the ownership, right? You're owning how you make people feel. You're owning your place in that stadium and you're courageous enough to get out there and do your best and be willing to get reflections and feedback from others so that you can continually improve. So I really appreciate that about you, Shane. And I appreciate our friendship and your leadership and the ways that you have really enriched my life. So thank you for being the person you are. It's a mutual, Shannon. You're an incredibly important part of my life, and I'm grateful that you're part of it. Thank you. ROD takeaway tip, how to apply what we've learned to our own work and lives. So much wisdom packed into this episode. Let's focus on what Shane describes as the great reset. What are your responses to these questions? Number one, mission clarity. Do you see the value and purpose of the work you do each day? What is fulfilling about your current role? Is the mission of your organization clear to you? 
Does it inspire you to bring your best energy to work? Are you making a creative contribution to the mission? Number two, career growth. In what ways are you growing? You listen to podcasts to grow, and that's admirable. In what other ways are you growing? What opportunities are available for you with inside your organization? How are you taking responsibility for your continual improvement? Do you see an opportunity for development and advancement? Is this a career or a job? Number three, curiosity culture. Is your voice heard? Can you ask questions? Are you encouraged to be curious? That sense of wonder is what's a missing ingredient in a fixed mindset, stagnant culture, situation, or relationship. How well do you model a growth mindset? For example, are you inspired by the success of others or do you judge them as lucky or brown nosers? Do you see challenges as opportunities for growth or unfortunate things that happen to you? Growth mindset is something that we can practice daily. Two more quick reminders, takeaways for us from Shane's message. Number one, focus on our priorities. Aim for quality over quantity and don't say yes to everything. And number two, prioritize self-care. Priority is a singular word. How we've morphed that into a laundry list, I'm not sure. But we can control what we prioritize, what we focus on, and how we care for ourselves. Join me next week for a generous leader coaching tip on crucial conversations. Until then, stay generous, everyone. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.